This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Super Bowl Sunday has come and gone, and we have crowned our 56th Super Bowl champion in the history of this fine National Football League. The Los Angeles Rams winning their first Super Bowl as a member of Los Angeles' city limits. Of course, we remember they went back and won a Super Bowl with Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf in St. Louis. But as far as the L.A. City Ordinance is concerned, this is their first Super Bowl that the Rams have brought them to their glorious, glorious city. So They kind of spread the love in both cities. They went to one, lost one in St. Louis during the Kurt Warner era, era, sorry, but they lost one when they were the L.A. Rams way back when, 1979, to the Pittsburgh way, Steelers. Way, back when. And then they lost again to the New England Patriots, what, three years ago at this point? That's right, when they were the L.A. Rams. 10-3 to final score in that Super Bowl. Worst little Super Bowl bit, I've ever seen. A little bit better performance from the Rams in this Super Bowl, of course, coming away with a victory. But they've had their fair share of Super Bowl trips oh, in both a good cities. franchise. Yeah, yeah, they're a great franchise that is always competitive and successful, and now they are at the top of the mountaintop. The apex. Going to recap a lot of this game, but to start, what was your real general vibe of the game? Because I'll tell you what my vibe was at the very beginning. My friends and I, we had a little Super Bowl watch party. And for the entire first quarter, I kept saying, and others were repeating, it didn't really feel like the Super Bowl. To me, I don't know why. It just, maybe because it was lacking that true star. And I had mentioned in a previous episode last week that this was the first time since, I think, 2000, right before Brady made his first appearance, that it was the first Super Bowl without Tom Brady Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, or the San Francisco 49ers, which is weird that they were randomly thrown in there. But maybe that's why it just it, it was lacking that star factor. I think there was a lack of star power in this Super Bowl, even though there wasn't a lack of stars for sure. No, Donald Stafford, great Burrow, stars. young stars on both sides of the football, guys who have made a name for themselves, and journeymen like Stafford who have been around for 12 years trying to find any semblance of success in the league. And boom, he finds four straight playoff wins in his first try with the Los Angeles Rams. To me, you know, it's 23-20. to It's a good game. It's a close game pretty much throughout the entire game. But it kind of just felt like it was run-of-the-mill going through the motions. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Don't get me wrong. It could have been a blowout in either direction. I know that the Bengals went up uh, in the game with that interception that they then turned into a field goal. So, I mean... There was a moment where you thought a team was going to finally take control of the football game, but when they couldn't capitalize on that turnover with more than just the field goal, and it became 20-13, to and then the Rams kicked a field goal to make it 20-16, to and the Rams had the ball, I kind of knew they were going to score to go ahead and win the football game. The now, I, don't, was, I wasn't sure if Burrow would lead him down the field, that's the thing. but I kind of felt pretty confident that the Rams were going to stop them. I didn't think Burrow was going to lead them down the field. So although it played out really well, honestly, when you, you recap it and back and forth game that ended with Stafford getting the last laugh on his final drive and Burrow had a chance and was able to get some yardage, nice mm-hmm. play to chase that got them to sure. about midfield, but ultimately fell short in his endeavor to at least try to get a field goal to force overtime. So you had all the excitement, but it kind of just felt run-of-the-mill predictable. I guess we were spoiled by the f- the divisional round and the championship weekend being so dramatic and crazy that like the even a really good, seen. solid game that had a little bit of drama in it just 
it kind of fell a little flat. It kind of and maybe out. that had a lot to do with the fact that it was Bengals Rams, right? We saw Packers Niners in the divisional round, a, a rivalry that started way back in 05 based off of the Niners' decision to skip on Aaron Rodgers first overall, and then his comments about how the Niners are going to regret it, and then being 0-4 against them in the playoffs. Chiefs-Bills, the two powerhouses of that conference. Uh, Rams-Buccaneers, the dethroning of Brady. Um, there was a lot of, of headline kind of games. And then once you finally got to the AFC Championship round, it was David versus Goliath and Cincinnati versus Kansas City. And then division rivals, San Francisco, Sean McVay, uh, finally, finally getting his first win against Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. So there were a lot of headlines going into those matchups. Maybe that's why, again, the Super Bowl didn't feel so dramatic leading up to it. You have a franchise that hasn't been there since the 80s and mm-hmm. has never won it, despite being there twice before this go at it. 0-3 now the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Uh, great fan base, but just one that hasn't been there and one that has no real national branding or recognition, especially the, the Bengals team itself has no branding really beyond the uh, state of Ohio. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, second biggest market in the country, but a terrible fan base. Just to, to be quite honest, it's just not a very good football town, Los Angeles. Yeah, they did the whole riots in the streets after the Rams won, and, and they played the part. But that's what Hollywood does, right? They're actors. They can act the part. They sure. can't really, I don't really do it year-long, year 365. I mean, you saw the NFC Championship game. Right. The Super Bowl, you're going to get a neutral split crowd, fans from both sides, a lot of celebrities, a lot of just neutral fans that are there. It's but an event. But before that... The Niners you should have had 65 to 35 came, Niners right. fans in that stadium. It's a bad sports town in LA. So you put all that in a pot and it comes out with, I think, a little like underhyped Super Bowl that just kind of went through the motions for us on Sunday. But it's better that it went through the motions and we ended up with a game winning drive and a and chance had, to tie it at we the had end. We had big moments. There was drama, yeah. there was turnovers, there was the refs getting involved as they always sure. do. So we're not getting involved. I'm not complaining. It just feels, you know, we sit here a couple days after witnessing that. And it was, I would say, underwhelming is how I would put that. I don't know if I could say underwhelming just because it kind of did what it was supposed to do. The Rams were the favorite. The Bengals were this upstart team. Could they stay competitive? They had beaten every single team on their way here. And I think the Raiders were the only team that they weren't necessarily underdogs against. But they went into the number one overall seat against the AFC, in the AFC against the Titans. They went into the actual, who should have been the number one overall seat in the Kansas City Chiefs in the championship round. And here you are against a L.A. Rams team, which had been to the Super Bowl three years ago with a lot of the same pieces. I know the Rams have a lot of turnover, and they can afford to do so because they're one of the wealthiest franchises in the league. That's how they've built their talent. But... A lot of those people, including, most importantly, the head coach, Sean McVay, was there before, has this this Super Bowl experience. No one on the Bengals really did. So you have another underdog type of attitude if you're the Bengals here. And they kept in it all the way till the very end. And I got to hand it to them because for a while, the big headline was, okay, how badly are the Rams' pass defense going to murder the Bengals O-line and they were doing a solid job up until like halfway through the third quarter and then the game ended and Joe Burrow was tied for the most amount of sacks taken in a Super Bowl 
And it didn't necessarily get there the way you thought it would, right? We had sat here last week thinking the Rams got to just start hammering Burrow as early as they can. And the Bengals did a good job of protecting him. He did a good job of getting rid of the ball when he needed to. But by the end of the day, you know, Donald and Von Miller both had yeah, two sacks. Yeah. They just wore him down. They were just too much for that line to handle. The first, I don't know, but I don't know if I can call it underwhelming. I don't know. Just so that's the feeling I had. Maybe, that's, that's maybe fine. you exactly, don't have to be underwhelmed. Maybe kind of like what I expected it to be, where the Bengals are going to be picky. They're not just going to go away and die, but you can beat them if if you play the right game. And that's something that I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs did, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw two interceptions in the entire second half. So it was just whelming for you then. It was it wasn't whelming. overwhelming. It wasn't underwhelming. You no, know, maybe next time you will estimate me, Michael or Jan. The first person to put his fingerprints on the game was Odell. And what a what yes. a moment for him. Uh, big first touchdown score. I heard that that was one of the prop bets that bankrupted Vegas the most over was that the weekend. Two touchdowns, two or more touchdowns for him. Was Odell? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I'm saying that people had him for first touchdown score, and he mm. did, and that ticket cashed, and it lost Vegas a ton of money. He wasn't able to score two touchdowns because of the I injury. Wasn't. But he did have a big 20-plus yard catch after the 17-yard touchdown pass from Matt Stafford as well. He looked like he was getting open a lot because of the attention the Bengals were paying Cooper Cup. And I think it was going to be OBJ MVP kind of territory if he had not gotten hurt because it was clear that the Bengals were going to throw everything at Cooper Cup and Odell was going to be able to exploit a lot of those mismatches because of it. And... He already started to exploit those mismatches before, unfortunately, going down with the injury. And I think if you don't see Odell go down in that game, I think there's a chance that the Rams offensively really just start to ramp it up on the the Bengals. And it could become a game that gets a little out of hand. I think with Odell going down, all of a sudden the Bengals, oh, we'll triple team Cooper Cup now because... Who's going to hurt us in the receiving game now that Odell's mm-hmm. gone? Bryson Hopkins, Van Jefferson, Ben Skrownick. I mean, no one's going to help you in the receiving game. So they fell off a cliff as far as their wide receiver room was concerned with that Odell injury. And honestly, I think his injury kept the Bengals in the game more so than anything the Bengals really did on their own right. Because if he's in there, I think that the Rams offense is just scoring point after point after point all game long. He gets hurt on the drive that ended in the Cooper Cup touchdown to go up to 13-3. to And you just never really saw the Rams offense click from no. that point on. And one thing the Bengals defense did extremely well was stop that run. Yes. They could not get anything I don't understand that. I mean, you have a decent enough offensive line. and you have, you have not just one, not just two, but three really good running backs. Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Sonny Michelle. Didn't matter. Did not matter which was on the field. None of them could produce on the ground. No, and that was a thing that, I, you know, the Bengals took control of this football game. When, we'll get to this in a second, but when Higgins had his questionable play that scored the touchdown and then the interception happens and McPherson makes a field, excuse me, makes a field goal to make it 20-13, to 13, that was pretty good. Like, you were feeling kind of mm-hmm. good if you were a Bengals fan. It felt like you were getting the momentum of the game and you had the big break with the Higgins play. And your run defense was just making that Rams offense that was already missing Odell at that point even more one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. I mean, Akers had 13 carries for 21 yards, a 1.6 average. 1.9 was the average yards per carry on the 23 Jeez. carries that the Los Angeles Rams had on the ground. And 
you got to take your hat off to the Cincinnati Bengals defense for that because when you cut off the head of the snake, especially when Odell went down in their passing game, was kind of, you know, a hand tied behind their back on its own right because of injury, to even cut that running game's head off like you did is just, it's so phenomenal, and it kind of makes you scratch your head and wonder how they ended up losing the football game because they were dominating in one asset of the, in one area of the game, and the Rams were so injured in the other area. It really is a testament to what Stafford and Cup were both able to do together late in that football game. And it also equated to <clears throat> what the Bengals couldn't get going themselves. I mean, I'm looking at it now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight combined drives for these teams in the second half that resulted in a punt. Yeah. The Bengals definitely had a lot of opportunities in that second sure. half to put the game away, to ice it. I mean, not only did Burrow have that drive at the end to try to get a field goal and tie the football game, but Burrow had one, two, three, four drives when the score was 20-16 to 16 where he could have put some icing on the cake and he couldn't. He, he had to punt every time. And of those seven drives, Tom, five of them combined were three and outs. So that's just not getting the job done. You know, the Bengals did go seven plays, uh, but they only got to the Cincinnati 40 on the drive that was right before the final touchdown pass, mm-hmm. the 15-play, 79-yard, beautiful, career-defining drive for Absolutely. Matthew Stafford. Two Cooper Cup. I forget who I forget who called it this. I think it was Dan Orlovsky. He said it was one of, if not the greatest, game-winning drives in Super Bowl history. Mm-hmm. Buddy, have you not been watching the Super Bowl for like the last that's 15 of, years? That's a lot of recent. In the last 15 right years alone, there have been maybe... 10 better game-winning drives. That's a lot of recency bias right there, and I hate that you have to do that because if you just look at it in the vacuum of Matt Stafford and what it means to him, it was just it was the drive of his career. Sure. That's something you yeah. could definitely say. But it wasn't the best we've ever seen in, in a Super Bowl. No, it's not. It's just a lot of that was fresh in my mind, so that's what I think is going to be the number one play, but Orlovsky will come back down to earth in a couple of weeks. Here, uh, the Jets on that one. Before we get any further into the second half, the play that started the second half and really kind of flipped momentum on its yeah. head was the T. Higgins touchdown, seventy-five yard bomb from Joe Burrow. One uh, play, first drive. play of the yeah. half, and it was a face mask. Clear a as day. It was face- without question a penalty. I was ready to give T. Higgins and Joe Burrow all the credit and say, "Wow, you guys, well, you guys just burned Ramsey." Well, but then the I thing. saw the replay and I was. Thinking to myself, how is the ref, which is who was right there, missing that call? I saw how open Higgins was because the TV feed, you don't see Higgins until the ball's thrown that way. And Ramsey on the ground, and I was like, as he was running to the end zone, I was kind of half expecting a flag. And then after the play finished, I was like weary to kind of, okay, Bengals score. I was like, what happened? Like, I'd like to see what happened there to see sure. why did Ramsey fall down? Why did Chase get so wide open or Chase Higgins get so wide open? And it was just, you could either call it pass interference, but if you didn't want to call it that, then it was a clear as, as day face mask from, from T Higgins, a, a really, really blown call in the Super Bowl because the Bengals didn't have any time to get anything developed downfield with their routes and their explosive mm-hmm. players. So for that play to, come to fruition, that kind of an explosive home run type of play, and for it to not be on the level, I mean, that thing could have really been looked at if this result had gone the other way as a moment where you say, man, if they don't give them that break there and they don't, and they uh, they throw a flag on Higgins, you have to wonder if the Bengals would have gotten into the end zone for a second time in this entire game. 
I don't know, because the only other time, as you mentioned, Tom, that they scored for the rest of the game was on that field goal after the Rams had turned it over mm-hmm. on their own one-play drive. Right. It was one-play drive by the Bengals that resulted in a touchdown, a one-play drive by the Rams that resulted in an interception. And all the Bengals could do was just go, what, a couple of yards, barely make, barely move the ball just to set themselves up. Eight and... plays in 11 yards. Wow. So I did not realize just, it was that. Yeah, I guess Sputtering along and along and along. But there you go. I mean, they couldn't even move the ball on that drive. And and all they did was better position themselves to set up for Evan McPherson. And then the rest of the game, they're punting the ball away, and then they turn over the ball and downs on the last on their last possession. So I agree with you completely. I think if T. Higgins is called for that penalty, there is no indication for the rest of the game, which he should have been. There is no indication that should have led us to believe that the Bengals could have scored to at some point later in the game to actually go up. It's just insane to think that the game, the second half started. One play, T. Higgins, 75-yard touchdown on a blatant penalty that went on called. Very next play, Matt Stafford throws the ball to Ben Squaronek, who completely botches it. It, I ends mean, up, it ends up in Chidobio Woozy's hands, and now all of a sudden the Bengals are at the LA 31. Two plays, and they get seven points and the ball back at the 31. This is when you thought, oh, my God, the Bengals could run away That's here. when I thought it was over. Because not only was that interception key, but the absence of, of Odell was felt on that one, right? Matt Stafford's probably not throwing that ball to whatever that guy's name Skorunic. is. If Odell is at least out there, right? He's going, he maybe, he's maybe going to another option, but that guy's probably not even on the field if Odell's on the field, right? And yet he ends up botching a play that leads to what should have been the game on a silver platter for the Bengals. If Burrow can put the ball in the end zone, he's got 31 yards to do it. And if he could put the ball into the end zone there, that is an uphill battle for a team that doesn't have Odell, like you said, and a team that can't do anything on the run. Yeah. So really, really golden opportunity for the Bengals there that, you know, I think a lot of people Good are, that they still score, that they convert. Like, I McPherson is young. It was very young, of them, though. They just but, got the ball and didn't do anything with it. But McPherson, it. you know, young kid, a lot of pressure in the Super Bowl. We already saw one botched extra point in this Super Bowl. It. It's a, it's a lot of pressure to that do your job. That kid's got ice in his veins. He does. Though, and he's one of the best kickers in football already. He was out watching the Super Bowl halftime show. What do you think about that? He just couldn't care less. He was like, I don't need to rest. Well, what's the point? What's what's he going to do? They're going to go in and have a meeting where they tell him to kick better? Like they, yeah, that's a good point. He knows his job. He I mean, he got to watch it. He knows his job, and he's been the best at it in postseason history. I think he broke Vinatieri's record for most consecutive field goals made in a postseason by a rookie or by any player, honestly. Maybe by anyone, it, it regardless of age. Regardless of... He, he didn't miss a field goal. Field goal. The entire playoff run, uh, Evan McPherson did not. But, yeah, you know, that, that game's on a silver platter, and I think a lot of people with the Rams winning it and Stafford getting the ring and Donald getting the ring and Whitworth getting the ring, excited for that, coupled with the Bengals being so young and a team on the rise that, you know, the, the narrative after the game is, well, Joe Burrow will be back here. I think you kind of gloss over the fact that they really blew that game in the beginning mm-hmm. of that second half because it was handed to them. And credit the Rams for holding them to a field goal because that's what you got to do to save your game right there and save your season. But, man, you really got to take advantage of that epic F up by the Rams and drop 14 points on their head before they even understand what, what, what hit them to start that half. Sure. And you cruise to the victory. So opportunity wasted there for the Rams yeah, for, I mean, or for the, Bengals. for the Bengals. Oppor- Bengals opportunity not wasted for Stafford who 
with everybody and their mother knowing on that last drive it was going to be Cooper Cup, he still goes to Cooper Cup, and he finds a way to get the ball to him several times, march down the field, and then get him the ball when it matters the most in the end zone. Nice little fade pattern. Cooper Cup made that look easy. The second he dropped back to pass and released that ball, I knew it was a touchdown. I knew there was no way that the defensive back, who I believe was Eli Apple, it was, Eli was going Apple. to have any shot at stopping the offensive player of the year from snagging that game winning so touchdown. So how wild is this? Cooper Cup finished as the triple crown winner, yeah, the he, offensive he, player of the year, and Super Bowl MVP. Only one other guy did that in a career, and that was Jerry, Jerry Rice. Rice. Did it in his career, let alone one, one year. One season, just hit it all. Hit check every box in one year, 365 days. So especially with Odell off the field, that ball was only going to go to Cooper. Yeah, Cup. it's just it's truly amazing when you know where exactly, the ball's going know, and you still exactly. get it. Mm-hmm. And the pass that Stafford threw over the middle of the field, the no look pass. Oh my the, gosh! The, so in the moment, four guys in the moment. You know, when you're watching the live broadcast from the sideline point of view, it doesn't look special. You can't tell it's a no look pass. And I honestly didn't even realize until after the game was over via an end zone perspective that that was a no look pass. But oh my gosh. I mean, if that's Patrick Mahomes, everyone is saying in game, okay, we have to see what kind of pass this was because everyone expects Pat Mahomes to make a play like that. Matthew Stafford's a great quarterback, yeah. but never has his career been based off of no-look passes or or pocket escaping like Patrick Mahomes can do. So, huge, I mean, huge credit to Matthew Stafford on that play. Maybe the best play of the game. Probably uh, the best play of the game. Biggest game. It had the highest stakes, so yeah, I think it might be. Right, that was the, the third down in like 11. They needed that conversion big time. Big time conversion. They also needed fourth and one in their own territory. They go to the ground, but they do it unconventionally with McVay running a timing play, a little mm-hmm. sweep action to Cooper Cup, who swings it to the outside and picks up about three yards, gets in that first round, first down. Big balls to go for it, but he had to go for it there. You have to. I but mean, the you're play down. call was a very, very interesting play call because I've seen that play get blown up a lot this year. But I guess at one point you got to get the ball in your best player's well, hands, and they did. I'll say this, and and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later. I'm more okay with that play call going to Cooper Cup than I was the Cincinnati Bengals going to Samaji Piran well, on, my on next, third down. That was my next point. There was a couple of third and shorts, especially the third and one in the last drive where they go to Piran to pick up the first down. You have a thoroughbred. Why are you keeping him locked into the stable? Joe Mixon gets that first down, I the think, only... on third and one every time. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. He, he, he absolutely. wills himself to it. Even if he gets hit behind the line, he He's going to get there. Yeah. My only thoughts, my my only two theories that the reason they didn't go to him is, A, they went with P. Ryan's because he had that touchdown against the Chiefs. So they maybe trust him to get the extra yards when they need him. B, you throw P. Ryan out there as a decoy thinking – they're never gonna give the ball to Piran. Why? Running. Why are they taking Mixon out? They're they can't give the ball to Piran. So pass, right? And you try to run, mm-hmm. but you know, even whenever the Rams, you go, can't. You're you're out thinking yourselves on and that. And even one. when the Rams are like, oh, they're gonna pass. They brought in Piran. Aaron Donald can stop the run on his own. So that's what he did. Yeah, he just stuck one arm out there on that play. It, he wasn't. He wasn't meeting Piran in the backfield. He was well matched on by the offensive lineman. All he had to do was stick out his his. Oh my gosh, his arm that I can't even think of the right adjective to describe it just because it's that big and powerful a tree trunk to stop Pirine. Kind of segues nicely into this question. Did the right guy win the MVP award for you? I mean, Cooper Cup had a hell of a drive at the end and he had two touchdowns, but 
guy you just mentioned, Aaron Donald, single-handedly, big two plays, stopping P. Ryan, and then, of course, forcing the pressure on Joe Burrow that forced him to throw that ball away at the end on fourth down. He had two sacks throughout the game earlier than that and was just, as he always is, a one-man wrecking crew, really disrupting everything the Bengals wanted to do offensively. I would have probably given it to Aaron Donald, but I don't think it's egregious to give it to Cup. He had a hell of a game. I would have given it to A.D., However, if it's not going to go to AD, it has to go to Cooper Cup. I mean, Matt Stafford, yes, led that drive, but that drive does not happen without Cooper Cup. Was it holding on Logan Wilson? Yeah, I think it's a right call. I think it probably was, too. I think you were blind. I was blinded a little bit by wanting to see the Bengals actually step up and make that play that I got. And, And I think I was a little blinded by the fact that the refs started to influence what was happening with them swallowing their whistles literally on a blatant the face mask. The entire game. All game long. Not even, yeah, I mean, that happened at the very beginning, beginning of, of the, the second, second half. half nothing. But still, the the other, the rest of the third quarter, up until that point of the fourth quarter, you weren't hearing anything until the Rams got into goal-to-go situation. The Logan Wilson penalty, iffy. The offsetting ones, I, I had a tough time with that one because the hit in the back of the end zone. That's a, that's a dead ball play. So... I think it shouldn't the, have actually happened. Exactly, there was a false start. Right, exactly. Exactly, but they didn't call it that way. No, they didn't. And although they called holding, I think on that play, they didn't call the they false didn't call start. The false they start. did jump early. They didn't call it. Not, not they. Like three guys the Rams in the offensive Rams. line. They yeah. jumped early. Didn't call it. everyone but the centers. Then the there was holding. Running. I think on Reader. Sure, they did call. And then the hit in the back of the end zone. But here's the thing with the hit. Did he hit him in the head? I don't really know. That's a play that potentially decides the Super Bowl. What is the defender supposed to do there? He's got to light him up. Like, he has right. to. Even if he does get a penalty, he ha- he has to lay his hardest hit of his career on this guy. Because In if you just stand there the and let him catch out. it, it's a yeah, Super Bowl exactly. winning catch and the game's over. Exactly. So that was a little tough. And then the final one that got them on the one was the most obvious penalty. He literally tackled him before the ball yes. even got out to him. And then a sneak gets stuffed, fade past the cup. Bob's your uncle. The LA Rams are your 56th Super Bowl champion. Wait, what's that term? Bob's your uncle? Bob's your uncle. I've never heard that before. Look it up. Okay. A couple things to look at before we wrap up this episode. Outlook of these two teams moving forward. Aaron Donald up in the air about retirement. What is that about? Sean McVay didn't give a guarantee that he'd be back for the 2023 season. They asked him if he'll coach next year, and he said, we'll see. A lot of things are Odell's going to be gone. They're in cap hell. There's a lot I don't know of, if Odell's going to be gone for there sure. There's a lot of cap stuff they got to do to get yeah. him back. He's going to get a ton of money. Vaughn Miller, that's a guy that could be gone. They'd have to spend a lot of money on him too, and I don't know if they have the ability to do that. Well, maybe now with Odell gone and AD possibly leaving, you have more money to spend on these bigger pieces that see, if you tried to keep all of them, there's just no way in hell. See, I wonder if AD retires, that leads to, leads to McVay maybe entering, also leaving, leaving a little early just because mm-hmm. whatever, losing your best player. How do you feel about that? Someone who's watched Aaron Donald since his pit days, he's only been in the league for, what, nine years? I think it's just three-time defensive player of the year, yeah. Super Bowl champion Super Bowl now, champion, yeah. Been to two Super Bowls. He's a, he's he's a Hall of Fame Already lock. in the Hall of Fame. Yep. He, like he said, I have done everything. This ring is now everything I've needed to do in my NFL career. Yeah, but it's a short NFL three career. Three or four more years in his prime, probably. But he'll probably have a very happy and successful, sure. healthy life post-football because he walks away early and he doesn't have as much brain damage. As and and how much better is it to walk away as a champion? 
I don't think it gets any better than that. Uh, but Rams moving forward, I think a little shakier than the Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to be a really good team for a while. There's a lot of flash in the pan talk that's been getting off the ground as far as the Bengals are concerned. Don't see it at all. Great quarterback, super young, really good playmakers who are all young. The defense really came into form this year. Great kicker, which actually matters. Right. Of course. Just build that offensive line. And you I might think- you might lose T. Higgins this year, but it's not going to kill you because you still have a great quarterback. You still have a great Jamar Chase. You still have a great Joe Mixon. And what's flash in the pan really mean? Because you could fi- ten years from now we could be like, oh, they only got to that one Super Bowl, but they could be doing battle with the Chiefs and the the Bills and whoever else rises up and be and a perennial I, and I'm sorry, champion. And of I'm the sorry, North. was it Lamar Jackson who came into the league and won MVP and was crowned the most dynamic player in the NFL? And I'm sorry, how many playoff games has he won in his career? One. Well, I'm Was just it Baker like, Mayfield and the Browns who crown themselves offseason champions every year? How many playoff games have they won? One. I'm just saying that if they don't get back to another Super Bowl, you're going to see a lot of people say, well, see, that team flashed in the pan. But they'll probably make the playoffs perennially for the mm-hmm. next 10 years. They'll probably win playoff games here and there. Mm-hmm. And if I were a betting man, I would also bet on them probably getting back to the Super Bowl too. I just think Burrow's got the it factor. I just can't see. You got to you know, build around him. The Marino thing is always, always thrown, thrown up in the there. air. Whenever, always a, whenever a young guy makes a Super Bowl early in his career, right? Oh, is this going to be a Marino thing where we think he's the next great one, but he's not making it back anytime soon, and then he never makes it back. So it's it's so rare because I mean we're not saying it's the Marino and the blank and the blank case. It's just one guy to ever do it, to be that great and only make it one year and you're in the early end of your career and never make it back. So I don't think it's going to be repeated anytime soon. I mean, I do believe that. I do, I do think you're right. I do think they could be back in the Super Bowl. I think they're going to be back in the Super Bowl. It's funny. Before the game and the two weeks leading up, the Joe Burrow comparisons were the other two Joes, Joe Namath, Joe Montana, the only two to win national championships and a Super Bowl trophy. And now here, and now we're, we're so here close. with Dan Marino because you were the second-year quarterback who lost the Super Bowl just like Dan Marino. So you went from the two Joes to the, Joe and Dan. the potential Dan Marino part two. We'll that see. story will be written over the next We had a long time plus. before that, long, that book is closed. The chapter of Joe Burrow yeah. is just getting underway. But congrats to the Rams, 56th sure. Super Bowl champion in this league's history. And probably, as long as Donald decides not to retire, I'd say a pretty decent team to repeat next yeah. year as champions. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard, a little Super Bowl recap. We'll get into some Steelers talk in our next episode, including free agency quarterbacks and a new coach that came into the fold. So make sure you tune into that one. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you on the next Steelers Standard.